It is Tuesday, January 1st, 2019, and you are listening to Episode 7 of No Retakes. everyone to the seventh episode of No Retakes, the first episode of 2019, and the first that has posted late. Uh, we will get into that, but for right now, I want to say thank you for joining us. My name's Chris. I'm your host for No Retakes, the podcast about voice acting, mental health, and being an adult in the 21st century. Um, we're going to kick things off by saying the obligatory Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you had a fantastic New Year's, a fantastic Christmas if uh, you celebrated. And yeah, we've got a lot to catch up on. Um, I want to first say uh, sorry for this posting late and recording late. We're currently uh, 8 o'clock in the morning right now on the East Coast recording this episode. Uh, Not my intention to post this late or even to record it late. I wanted to do it Sunday uh, and then Monday, and it just didn't work out. Um, yeah, I was I was super busy this week, which we will get into. Uh, but yeah, we have we have an episode right now, and uh, this is going to be an extra long one to make up for the fact that this was a little late. Now, when I say extra long one, when it comes to my show. We're, like, I'm not talking like three hours because that's probably what people would be um, anticipating. But no, we're going to keep this probably like around an hour because I've got a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into it fairly soon. Uh, first, let me grab a drink of, of water because it's the morning. I did warm my voice up, but, you know, still got to like kick the uh, cobwebs out. Just So pardon me just one second. Mm, all right. So, uh, we're going to get into, first of all, like what's been going on with me with the last week. Because uh, this this time of the year has been quite interesting, at least as far as uh, how things have shaken out. Like we have New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day both falling on Monday, Tuesday, which makes the work week quite interesting. Um, and, uh, sort of throws my balance off a little bit, but you know, we got through it. Uh, I'm going to turn this down a little bit. I think I'm peaking. Um, yeah, I had a really awesome kind of low key kind of, yeah, kind of low key Christmas, but still it was awesome. I got to spend it with my in-laws, my, like my wife's extended family. I had to like spend the morning and the early afternoon with with uh, with my wife, just her and I, and it was great. Um, that's the sort of thing I really love about this holiday. Just like, I mean, Christmas comes with a lot of obligations. Like you've got to be places, you've got to give gifts. Like you're ex- expected to stay X amount of hours to like not offend. But you know what? In the end, it's it's just about like the getting together. Um, celebrating this time of the year and just being around your friends and family. And for everything that's happened in this year, which we will get into, my wife and I had a had a good Christmas. Like the Christmas we had together, the one we had with our families. Um, it was it was just really good. Uh, I'm hoping that next year we can. I was gonna say kick it up a notch, but you know what? No, like. My only hope for next Christmas is that I am not going to feel quite as squeezed, but I have a feeling that just comes with the territory when you're talking about being an adult around Christmas, and especially when you're on a fixed income. You're like, okay, like this is 
normally this is how much money I have to spend throughout the the month. I have to now divide that into thirds because of because of holiday obligations. Um, but you know, I guess I I maybe that's what it is. I just don't know. But my hope is that next year I get I can avoid that a little bit and not feel quite so under pressure. Boom 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 boom. Um, there are a few things about like I wanted to get into like some of the fun stuff that we got, and I don't want to sound too like materialistic. As I've said in previous episodes, I don't want to make Christmas about the swag because then you're kind of missing the point. And if you don't get great gifts, you're going to have a shitty time. Um, because I think that's just augmenting the other feelings. Or at least that's what it should be. But my wife and I did get some pretty fun stuff. Um, the big one that I've that I tried out recently is my wife's aunt got us a uh, an uh, air fryer, which is really cool. I've long looked at one of those as like oh, it's a cool little gadget, but we don't really need it. Um, and when I was a kid, we had a deep fryer. We would deep fry a lot of things like French fries or chicken tenders or that sort of thing. And it was, I mean, even as a kid, I could tell it wasn't great for me. Um, but this thing is supposedly suppo- is, is, um, supposed to give you that same feeling of a fried uh, piece of food without using with drastically cutting down on the amount of oil you would use and just using heated air. And I've tried it to some success. Like um, for New Year's Eve, I made a beef wellington, which is my wife's favorite dish. Um, I think that if she could ask for anything, she would ask for that. And I wanted to try a special Gordon Ramsay variant on it, or at least a Gordon Ramsay variant of a Gordon Ramsay recipe where to make it more Christmassy, he added uh, uh, chestnuts into the uh, duxel, which is like, okay, that's interesting. And I wanted to go from scratch. I found like actual fresh chestnuts from my grocer uh, with the shell still on. And I was like, okay, let me see if I can do something with this. And, First of all, chestnuts have a very hard shell, and I don't have like really great materials for cracking those sorts of shells. Um, but I did as best as I could using serrated knives and like regular knives. I probably like beat the hell out of out of my knives and uh, put a little groove into them, put them into the fryer, and in like twenty minutes they came out fine. I think I overcooked them a little bit actually. But yeah, it totally worked. And then I tried a uh, fried potato recipe. Like just take potatoes, peel them, cube them, stick them into the fryer. I, actually, I, uh, I put them into a bowl, salt, pepper, and uh, a little bit of oil and then uh, oregano. Just tossed them, put them into the fryer for like 20 minutes or like uh, 15 minutes. Then once they were once they came out, they were pretty good. They probably could have cooked for a little longer too because... I got some really nice coloring, but it didn't get all the way around. So I I need to like work on that. But yeah, the air fryer was really fun, and I'm looking forward to using that a lot next uh, next year. In fact, tonight when I'm, or today actually, because, you know, time, uh, when I'm done recording this, I'm going to start making, uh, I think a tradition in our family is going to be New Year's Eve, pan, or sorry, New Year's Day pancakes. And I'm going to try a new recipe of just like making everything from scratch. I may have to go out and get a few things, but I'll try it out. And maybe I'll put some bacon into the air fryer and see if that works. Because um, in this apartment, every time that I make pancakes, or one of the reasons I'm very skittish about making pancakes in this in this apartment, is that our, um, our smoke detector... Uh, gets a little excited when I cook bacon or when I cook uh, pancakes. But I have, I have a feeling I might be just using too high of a heat and it just smokes all of the oil or smokes all of the cooking spray. And, um, yeah, it just causes the, uh, the, the, the smoke detector to go crazy. And 
my my wife is the daughter of a, of a firefighter. I don't want to be like, okay, here's how we solve this. We take the battery out of out of the smoke detector. Kids don't do that. That's a bad. That's a very bad. Um, so we will experiment, try a few things out. Uh, the other thing that I got for uh, from my uh, mother-in-law is a turntable, which I've been desperately needing. Like my mom got me a turntable years and years and years ago, but this was a uh, this was a like plastic shelled turntable with a built-in speaker and a USB out port. Its primary function was to digitize old records because it came with a copy of like Audacity. Uh, that's what it was designed for. You're not plugging this thing into your stereo system. You are using it so that you can take your old, you can take uh, all those old records and get them onto your onto your computers. That way you can listen to like Duke Ellington and uh, and to Cab Calloway on iTunes. Um, this is an actual turntable that's designed to be plugged into a stereo system and listen to music. And I've already had a blast using this thing. Now, vinyl it, as a format is a, like, it's, for convenience, it's worse than digital. Because, like, if I'm in the office and I'm working and I want to put music on, I could just go to my iTunes and run a playlist and just let it run and work and focus on what I'm working on. Whereas with vinyl, you're listening to the entire, you're listening to the entire side of the same artist, unless it's a uh, compilation record, you're listening to the entire side. And then 20 or 30 minutes later, you've got to stop, flip the record over, put the needle back down and then keep going. But God damn, is it not fun to use or like it is quite fun. I, I, I misspoke. Um, it is a lot of fun to just put those records on. And I've got a pretty eclectic mix. Like I've got uh, stuff like a lot of uh, vintage Daft Punk and the newer Daft Punk 2. I've got, I, I think I just bought Rush's Moving Pictures, which is a great record and I love it to pieces. I've got old comedy records from Robin Williams and Steve Martin and I think I also have the Watchmen soundtrack from the 2009 version, and also the Guardians of uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, because that soundtrack is great. Um, and also a ton of 45s. Like when I was a kid, my dad and I would go around and visit a bunch of yard sales because my dad collects Hot Wheels. That's his thing. And he would go to all these yard sales trying to find like really cool poles, even stuff that kids had played with, because you never know what you're going to find. My thing, I went for records. And this was back before I even had a method of playing them because I just wanted to, to start a collection. And when I moved out here to uh, Staten Island, I found a store like right in the heart of uh, the island. Uh, in a little strip mall, this little like hole in the wall video store that would break street date constantly, uh, which is why I loved it because I could get all of my like I think I got the uh, uh, Dark Knight on Blu-ray early because they gave zero fucks. Um, but one day when I went in there, they had a box with forty fives in them. I'm just like, yeah, pick whatever you want, a dollar each or, or like a buck fifty each. And I was like, sold! And I went through and I grabbed a bunch. I think I've, that's where most of my 45s came from. And I have some pretty cool ones. I have a Crowded House, Don't Dream It's Over, uh, Everybody Have Fun Tonight by Wang Chung, singles of either of each of them, uh, Little Red Corvette by by uh, Prince, uh, Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks. And I'm just going off of like memory here. The really fun ones, though, I have a... 45 single of Take Off by Bob and Doug McKenzie. Like, a, a single of of that, like, comedy record. Like, you've, like I'm sure that's so hard to find. Uh, I could be very wrong, though, but as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, this thing. Like, I, I would have never guessed this record to be hiding among this collection of 45s. And in there, I think I also found... Not the jewel of uh, the collection, but something that I've been scratching my head over. 
I think had to have been made for like jukeboxes. Because um, one side is Turn Up the Radio by Autograph. Um, you know, hair metal, like early 80s. Like, okay, you could understand this being played on, on the radio or like in a turntable or sorry, or in like a uh, jukebox or something. On the flip side is Hot, Hot, Hot by Buster Poindexter. You know, the ole, 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 ole. That song is on the flip side of a hair metal track. And I have no clue who this record was made for, but as soon as I saw it, I laughed out loud and I bought two. Uh, So yeah, I'm really looking forward to using that more often. I'm going to try not to like buy too many records because I feel like vinyl is a really good archival system. Like if you want a record that's going to last you a long time or if you want music that you can pass down to your kids, then vinyl should go on. Then you should get it on on vinyl. But I have thousands and thousands of songs in my iTunes library and it would be cost prohibitive to get vinyl versions of all of them. So, yeah, like records are going to be more of like a this thing is special and I want a physical copy of it versus all right, this song's cool. Click buy it on iTunes and go. Um, I also got a ton of 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 books, which is good. And that's uh, I'm looking forward to reading every single one of them. Um, the big ones. Sorry, the, the big ones were a. There was a book that I already have on audiobook and Kindle, uh, but I finally have a physical copy, and it's good because it's an awesome book that's going to be really helpful to me, is Voice Over Voice Actor by Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt. Uh, it's an amazing book. If you're at all interested in voiceover, you should look at it because it's great. So many awesome stuff, You so many awesome tips, tricks, like... Uh, Almost a how-to manual. If a how-to manual for this sort of profession could be had, that's very close to it. Um, so I'm really enjoying reading that. Uh, I also got the uh, the uh, art book of uh, the first art book from uh, from from Critical Role's Vox Machina campaign um, because you can't buy those anymore. Like my wife got me one. Right as uh, the uh, Geek and Sundry store was like liquidating all of their Critical Role merchandise. Um, so I'm really happy about that. And my wife also got me a thing that I, I kind of hinted would be good for us. Uh, not like that. Um, but when we were at PAX, I was telling her about this game called Charterstone, which I'd played earlier in the year and I thought was great. It's a legacy board game. Uh, which is a board game with a story that you're designed to play over the course of several game sessions, and the story slowly reveals itself. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of an odd concept if you're just used to you know like Monopoly or Clue, but it's a ton of fun. Charterstone's super simple to get into, and it's like it starts easy, and then it just sort of adds more and more and more complexity as the game goes on. And when you're done with it. You have a completely customized copy of this game that is unique to your group that you can pull out and play whenever you want. So when my wife and I are done with this campaign, after 12 games, we will have a complete board that's unique to us. And I'm really looking forward to it. We played our first game uh, a few nights ago, and to my surprise, she really liked it Um, because she expressed some trepidation about one of the... one of the features of legacy games is you are fundamentally altering the board and uh, the cards by either placing stickers on them or writing on them, or in some cases straight up ripping them up. Um, So it's the sort of thing that you're just not used to when you play a board game. And also that feeling of, um, of like, well, if I've got to put a sticker onto the board, I want to make sure it's just right. And, like, I, I got over that a long time ago. As long as it's within the lines, I'm good. Um, so that was uh, Christmas, which was absolutely great. And I'm already looking forward to uh, this year's Christmas now, which is 
quite a ways away from us, but you know we will get there eventually. Uh, the downside to this year's Christmas was we got back, and the next day when I had to go into work, I found out that somebody out there in our parking lot had keyed our car. Not horribly, it was just one single um, on on uh, the hood, but God damn it, like it's one of those crimes that is such a pain in the ass for the victim. Like it's not, I mean, there is a victim because the victim is us. Like our property was damaged. We have insurance and that'll cover it. And we're already looking into options for like getting the hood uh, repainted. Cause yeah, the scratch is so deep that like they've got to strip the hood down and reprimer it, repaint it, everything. Um, I'm already looking, we're looking into those options. We know what we want to do. It's just a huge pain in the ass that we're going to be without our car for a little bit. We're going to be out a substantial amount of money. um, And very likely, whoever did it's going to get away with it, which is unfortunate because even if there was like absolutely perfect camera footage of showing a person doing this with their face. Like, what are we going to do about it unless they're known to our security or the cops or whatever? It's just like we have a face and whoever can match a name to it. Like, who is that person? Like, where would that come from? So I think our our way forward is we're just going to going to get it fixed and see if maybe there's an option for um, either installing cameras into the car, which I was actually looking at before I went up or before I uh, turn the microphone on and, or just getting a, a, a cover. Like I was talking to one of my coworkers and he said, dude, get a cover. It's like $40 on, on eBay or whatever. And you'll have so much peace of mind. It's unreal. And maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's the, the, uh, the, the solution, but you know, not the best way to close out Christmas and definitely not the best way to close out my year. But you know what? It's one of those things. It just comes with with the with the uh, uh, with the territory. But if I ever find out who did it, I'm gonna break all their fingers. So as we uh, move on, um, I've got two other sort of segments or two other sections of this podcast that I want to get into uh, before we close out and start the new year proper. Um, I want to look back very briefly at 2018. Um, a lot of the like of like the outside world stuff, like 2018 was a garbage fire year for the world in general. Um and I don't want to get into too much about that because a this is not a political show, and b it's not really like it does have an impact on on our lives because we're living in this and that can sort of help change your mood a little bit. Um, and I think that sort of helped contribute to my general malaise. Just like every day you wake up and there's a new crisis, um, and just sort of like the bottom keeps getting lower and lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. Um, so yeah, I don't want to make my, make all of my 2018 retrospective about just, ah, the world sucked because it did, but that's just a part of it. Um, this year was not the best, was not my best year. I think not the the best year for my family in general. Um, it started out right, like almost right out the gate when like with my wife losing her job, which is a, which if you've had anyone go through this, if you've had a loved one or someone whom you're really close to or someone whom you're financially dependent upon uh, lose their job, that's a huge blow. And it sucks. It sucks real hard because not only are you internally thinking about, all right, what are we going to do about this? You're also thinking about, 
well, we have to, like, I have to make sure that she's feeling all right. Like, I can't be like, I, I, I can't be accusatory. I can't put the pressure onto her. Like, well, you got to get back onto your feet quick or otherwise we're screwed. Like, that's, that's not what a loving partner does. So that was not the best way to start out the year. And it kind of started to spiral downward from there. Until a few until a few months later, I lost my job. Um, and to be fair, it's not like I, to be absolutely fair, I didn't lose my job per se as in like a you're fired, get out. More like a we have to press the reset button for the for the benefit of like of everything that's going on. And if you want to come back, um, you'll come back at a lower rate and maybe you can work up to where, to where you were. Uh, and I kind of thought about doing that. There was a, there was a point when I thought about maybe taking that option, but I don't know. I just, I just don't know what the, what the right call was. And I think, I mean, I still wonder if I made the, the, the right decision. I think I did. Because I ultimately decided to go on unemployment for a while while I searched for a new gig. And I went around and I tried a lot of things. I tried getting into like trying. I I tried finding sound work because I'm good at it and I have experience. But every place that I went to just didn't work out. I applied to to Disney slash Marvel. I applied to post-production companies. I applied to Facebook. I applied to all of these different places and just nothing came up, which sucks. Uh, I did get one interview with a great company that I would have loved to have worked for out in Connecticut, which would have been awful, um, and I didn't get it. Mm. And I think that was like the final straw. Uh, like That was like when I was at my lowest, uh, right around August. Because I had tried out for the, uh, I tried out for this thing. Actually, was it August? I don't know. It was in the summer. Don't get sidetracked, Chris. Like <clears throat> I was at my lowest. I didn't know what else to do because I'd put so much time and energy into trying to get this gig, and it didn't work out. Um. So I like. I think that's when, well, that is exactly when I, like that day that I found out that I didn't get that job was the day that I said, all right, I don't want to face this alone anymore. I don't want to face this feeling that I'm having alone anymore. And I don't know uh, what I'm going to do with this, like with this blow that I've just been dealt. So I went and I found the nearest like counselor, mental health professional, and I went. I just beelined it right to them. Luckily, they were they had an open walk-in day that day, so I got to talk to people and like really start to get that process rolling of getting diagnosed, getting better, and that's where it all started to like pick up because I went from being in a place where I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't know how I was going to make like make my way forward and feeling like I had failed and I'd failed my family, I'd failed my friends, I failed everybody in just how this year had um, had rolled out. And then I finally started to turn a corner and be like I have to really start focusing on how I'm going to better myself because if I can better myself, then I can help others. And no one else is going to live the life that I have but me. And at that point, like as I started going into therapy, as I started taking medication, that's when I started to realize, you know what? Being a voice actor is something that I've always wanted to do. And now I have an opportunity to chase it, like to really go after it. And as luck would have it, I, uh, <clears throat> sorry, as luck would have it, I 
uh, got a call from one of my older employers who had a need for me to come back and help train people. And one thing led to another, and now I'm working there again at a higher pay rate than I was ever making. And the job is much less stressful. Uh, And it affords me the ability to do the fun stuff like this, to record this podcast, to put my name out there and put my voice out there for voice acting gigs. If I ever have a, if, if by some stroke of luck, I ever have a session come up, I'm going to be, Hey guys, I gotta like, I gotta go and like record this thing for four hours. I'll take a half day and I'll make it up some other time. And it worked. I wish I could have gotten there without like going through all of that awful stuff, but you know, you can't like, and even though I had to put up with probably one of, or I had to suffer through, I think one of my worst years ever, one of my worst years since leaving college when there was so much uncertainty about everything. Um, I feel like I got on the other side of it now and I'm better. So that's where, I ended up, and the year ended a hell of a lot better than it started. Like, my wife has a brand new job, which she loves and pays better and is better for, for her health as well. Um, so that's excellent. Um, I'm finally getting treatment. I'm finally focusing on the career that I want. Um, and most importantly, actually, before that, my uh, D&D game, which is sort of like a rock in my social schedule, is still going on strong. We've actually grown. We've added uh, we've added a, a new player back into the mix, and it's going great, and it's an excellent creative outlet. But most importantly of all is that I'm still married, and I'm still very much in love, and that's super important. Um, I think that there's no better uh, measure of how the year ended that no no matter what my family went through throughout these 12 god-awful months we still came out of it okay and we still came out of it like we still love each other we still want to be together and everything that we went through this year couldn't shake that And that makes me think maybe I'm doing something right. So finally, before we close this this episode out, um, I want to talk about looking ahead to 2019. This year, um, I, I, I wrote out a list because, you know, this is what you do. Like every year, people come up with their New Year's resolutions and I had mentioned on a previous show that I think that New Year's resolutions are total bullshit. They are not helpful. They are designed to fail. And the whole reason why is because when people write them, they they sort of make these goals or these resolutions that are nebulous, hard to define, and or hard to do, hard to define, and not. in your control. So like, what are your uh, most common New Year's resolutions? Like, I want to lose weight. I want to exercise more. I want to like save, save money or read more. All of those things are excellent and you should be doing those. But let's just take one of them. I want to lose weight. Great. How much? And how long are you going to, like, what's... What's your goal? Because most people might say like, I want to lose 30 pounds. 30 pounds is a lot of friggin' weight. And if, and most people, when they like hit that first brick wall, they'll get discouraged and be like, oh, I guess that's it then. And just drop it and drop it like a bad habit. Um, or eat healthier. Like, great. What does that mean? How, how much healthier? What are you going to change your diet into? And when you don't have great answers for that or when it becomes hard, that's when people get stuck. And that's when these resolutions fail. And when these resolutions fail, they, are, they will lead to more anxiety and more depression because you feel like a failure 
and you'll just sink worse and worse, or sink deeper into bad habits. Same thing with goals or resolutions that are not in your control. Like if someone might, if someone told me like in 2019, I want to like get a better job or I want to advance my career in some way. That's fine. That's an excellent goal. But note that you're not in control of the, of the hiring process. Like there are things that you can do to help yourself get hired, but what happens when they don't work out? Like what happens when you're trying to achieve something and the person who's who's in charge of your ultimate success or failure isn't you? So when I thought about what I wanted to do with my 2019, how I wanted to improve myself or better myself in 2019, I wanted to focus on a few small goals that I can totally control and are easily obtainable. Things I should be doing right now, but I'm not. And these are steps I can take to just make things a little bit better for me. The first one is I want to reduce my standard of living to a reasonable amount, to the point where I can put money aside, where I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck every every two weeks. And... Set, uh, set money aside both for a rainy day and for the fun times that my wife and I want to have in 2019, but still feel like I'm getting by. Still feel like, oh, all of my money's going into these savings places, and now I've got like 20 bucks that I have to live on for the next two weeks. So a lot of that is just I have a very high standard of living. Like I could probably... I mean, if I had like, if my paycheck every month was half again larger, if I had like a like a, a 0.5% pay raise in every paycheck, I probably still would feel crunched. And that's not my pay raises problem, even though I am living in a very expensive city, it's me. So I want to start to get that under control. The first step, the first now normally you'd say like, okay, yeah, like reduce, like like spend less money. That's a nebulous goal that people do. So my small and and actionable goals are one, I want to reduce my Dunkin' Donuts habit down to $30 a month. Now, if the people who work at my local Dunkin' Donuts heard that, they'd probably go into apoplectic shock. Because that's a, I think, a 90% reduction of what I would spend at Dunkin' Donuts in a given month. Because my normal meal for breakfast is like $8.50 on average. So $8.50 multiplied by 360 days, that's like three grand. It's $3,000. What would I, like, what could I do with $3,000 that I just had? I could do quite a bit. So my goal is every month take out, like refill a Dunkin' Donuts card with 30 bucks. Once it's done, it's done. And then I can't go back there until the next month. Uh, similarly, I would like to reduce my restaurant visits down to one a week maximum. Uh, I might limit that first to just lunches. And then if it goes well, I might increase that to lunches and dinners uh, because lunches are totally within my my purview. But when but like every now and then my wife and I might want to go out to eat. Um, so that's so that's not 100 percent up to me, but we shall see. Uh, I definitely have a problem with bringing my lunch into work and that causes me to spend like. 11, 12, 15, maybe even $20 just to eat lunch. And that's crazy. Even in this city where prices are outrageous, that's insane. So I could probably, I, I know I could save a buttload of money just by saying, you know what? I'm not going to go out to, to eat. I'll bring my lunch like four days out of, out of, out of uh, the week, like, and we'll see what happens. I actually just bought a, a lunch 
a, a lunch bag that has those gel inserts. So you freeze the whole lunch bag and it helps keep your food fresh for much longer. Um, so that's, and that's like something that's going to help later. But uh, the one thing I really need to find out is, and there might not be a great solution to this, is finding out a great way to keep salad fresh for longer. Because for most people, that's what they would consider like healthy lunch. Like salad, a little bit of like chicken or turkey or something, maybe like a strawberry and done. That's great. But when the salad starts to wilt on you during your commute, that doesn't make for a great lunch. And that's, I think, one of like nature's pranks on us. Like, hey, here are these excellent vegetables that you must eat right now. Um, so I don't know. Like, we we will see, but I can definitely reduce my restaurant vis- visits by a huge factor. And on the flip side, do most of my cooking at home, which is fine because I'm an okay cook. My wife enjoys what I cook, and I think that just requires better communication between her and I about what. Um, or between her and me, grammar police, um, uh, about what we want to eat in a given week so that we can prepare for it. And also buying stuff in larger bulk, preparing more of it, and then freezing it. Like right now, like I've been cooking a lot of uh, meatballs because you can get a lot of them out of like a pound to a pound and a half of, of the meat, cook half of them one day, freeze the other half, and then get those thawed, and then you have two days worth of cooking for, what, like $6, $7, $8? And that's and those meatballs will feed two people. So that's an excellent way to, like, make food stretch a lot longer. Um, the other thing that I've been sorely putting off uh, that would help me out a great deal is to sell my magic collection. I know I've been talking about this a lot, but I really need to get serious about it. And I think what I need is just, I need an external kick in the pants, like something something that's going to motivate me. Because even though being in situations where selling that card collection and having that extra, that, that extra money would have been great, um, it wasn't enough to motivate me. So I feel like I need something external. Um, and the reason why I'm selling it is because... I haven't played Magic the Gathering in paper form for a, for months. And I'm probably not going to start again. If I ever got back into Magic, I would want to do it digitally. Because I have thousands and thousands and thousands of cards right now that are just sitting here collecting dust. And if I was going to invest, I would rather get something that's just ones and zeros on a server. Even though I don't technically own them... And even though they have no value per se, um, I still would much prefer that to what I'm doing right to thousands of cards sitting on my shelf right now that are doing literally nothing. So I got to do that at some point. Uh, the other thing, or moving on from the financial stuff, which is a huge part of what I want to be doing this year, uh, I want to read six new books six brand new books and split them as evenly as I can between fiction and nonfiction. And I'm, I lay down a specific rule that RPG books do not count. So I can't read the, like whatever the latest D and D source book is and be like, Hey, I just, I, I just read, even though it is reading, I'd rather read like actual prose. Um, and I've, I've already gotten started on it. Like I've got a, two books that I'm reading right now simultaneously because I'm a horrible reader. Uh, I'm reading George R.R. Martin's latest book, the um, uh, the first part of the uh, Targaryen history, Fire and Blood, uh, which is going great. I really enjoy it. And I'm also reading the, um, the uh, improvisation comedy manual from the Upright Citizens Brigade, um, which is also going to key into something else later. So those are two books right there, one one fiction, one nonfiction, uh, that I can already start to check off of my list once I finish them. Uh, I'm going to try to vary up the subjects as much as I can uh, and try out authors that I'm not familiar with um, because I could easily cheese it and just be like, hey, I want to read like uh, Dark Tower book one again. 
or just read anything Stephen King because like Stephen King's great and I and I love everything th- or almost everything that he's ever done. Um, I want to like expand my horizons a little bit. I want to try authors and voices that I haven't tried before, and subjects that maybe might not be well, it might not be the sort of thing I would normally turn to. Because I also have like a book that I need to finish is Fear by Bob by like a Bob Woodward. But that's a subject that I'm heavily interested in. And uh, I would rather like try to expand my horizons a little more than just focus on I'm gonna I'm gonna stay within my little sandbox. Um it's a thought, it's something I can try to do, but if I don't do it, I'm not gonna kick myself for it. Um Next thing, and this sort of ties into an earlier one, I'd really like to lose like at least five to 10 pounds. And that's a weight loss goal that is easy to accomplish. Like you can lose five to 10 pounds before plateauing. And I did actually a long time ago. And some people might scoff at that and be like, oh, like like 10 pounds, I can lose 10 pounds while I'm sleeping. Like, great. But I have to do what's right for for my body, and I would much rather be like, even though I could lose some more weight, uh, I would. I think I'm better off being like, let's stick with like five to ten pounds, and if I hit it, excellent. If I want to keep going, great. Um, but like, let's make the goal manageable. And doing all of the above stuff, like making my own food, focusing on stuff that's a little health. <laughs> as my throat rebels against me, uh, focusing on stuff that's a little healthier uh, would, I think, help with that. Um, The last two are career-based. I've said for a long time that I need to take an acting class, and I definitely do. I am not as good of an actor as I need to be in order to be competitive in this industry. So... Where do you start from that? You've got to take classes. And my first step is I'd really like to take a a class with the Upright Citizens Brigade. And they offer classes like um, every six weeks or so. And they do offer a ton of them and they sell out real fast. Um, And they're super expensive too. Um, But it's a place that I want to start uh, learning improv because... Comedy improv is different from regular improv, but it helps because I'm familiar with comedy improv. And they require you that by class two, you have purchased their book, uh, which is the book that I had previously mentioned, the Improvisation Comedy Manual or the Comedy Improvisation Manual. Um, And... Uh, I feel like I want to be like one of those kids. I want to be like the uh, the kid that has read the like a textbook cover to cover by the by the end of the first month, so that when you, so that when the teacher gives out homework, you're like, "Yep, hey, I've already read that." And I feel like it would help the lessons stick a little more. Maybe I don't know. Um, it's not something like reading that book entirely before the class starts is like bonus points. Similarly, I really want to take another uh, voiceover class. After I've taken that that uh, that uh, improv class, I want to take another voiceover class because I would I want to go back. I, w- I either want to go back to Crispin Freeman or go to D. Bradley Baker or someone else, take a class and show how I've improved. Because um, I could just keep on like revolving door the same class over and over and over with minimal improvement, but I really want to try to push myself. And if I can take singing lessons at some point, that's a bonus. But I also don't want to stretch my finances too much. And ultimately, I'm not worried this year about being cast in anything. Like, I'll audition, I'll go out, and I'll see what I can do. But I'm not worried about, like, hey, at the end of of this year, I've got to be cast in something, or else I'm a failure. No, like, I'm going to keep trying. And if the auditions work, great. If they don't work, say la vie. But by the end of this year, the one thing that I want to do that is entirely within my, my, my ability to accomplish is produce one voiceover demo, be it 
audiobooks or animation or commercials or whatever I can get, whatever I think I'm good at right now. I want to produce at least one demo. And I think that will be my milestone for improvement as a voice actor. If I can get to that point where I'm good enough that I can make a demo and start to shop it around by the end of of 2019, I think I will have gotten there. So yeah, that's what I've got to to go look forward to. And it's a lot. Um, If there's anything that you are interested in like sharing or being like, these are my personal goals for 2019, I'd really love to uh, hear them because I feel like community helps with those sorts of things. They help keep people honest. They help keep people motivated. And with that, you can accomplish more. So yeah, if you have listened to this and there's any of your goals for 2019 that you want to share, you can hit me up on Twitter at just Chris Wood. Um, still working on getting Twitch, uh, in, uh, getting Twitch up and running. That's less and less of a priority, and I should probably mention it less because doing Twitch is fun. Like it's a fun thing that I want to do, and all this other stuff is much more important to me. Um, but I will get there eventually. Uh, as we leave and as we head into uh, 2019 with our heads held high and our and our gazes forward, I wish you nothing but health and happiness and success throughout these next 12 months. Because even though I don't know you out there in listener land, I know you can do it. Whatever you want to do, I know you can do it. Unless that thing is, you know, like killing kids. Don't do that. That's a bad, don't do that. But most other stuff I know you can accomplish. And with that, we are going to call the first episode of 2019 of No Retakes to a close. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. And until then, take care of yourself. <laughs>